Hi everyone and welcome to AQ's Blog and Grill. We're really excited today to have Brian Solis with us. Now Brian Solis is a thought leader in digital and uh, customer anthropology, ethnography. Uh, he's got some really interesting ideas. He's written four books. I've enjoyed each one of them, but this particular book that's just coming out uh, on uh, digital customer experience is terrific. So we welcome Brian to the show and Brian, thanks for coming. My pleasure, thank you for the opportunity. Now, you reference in the book uh, that, that uh, article by uh, Joe Pine and his partner Gilmore that was published in the Harvard Business Review back in the late 90s, 98 or whatever it was, about the experience economy. Has that been part of your influence uh, in terms of thinking about experience uh, over the last 15 years? Yeah, so this is, I'm going to give you a two-part answer, and, and this is just my I think it's really important to give credit to where credit's due because we live in a time where we're moving so fast and we we tend to skim things so superficially that we we miss some of the pioneers who helped build where we are today right. and how we got there. And so Joe Pine and, and and essentially Gilmore wrote that Harvard Business Review article that I did read back then because I am older than I look. And then they also published that in a book called The Experience Economy in 1999. It's, it's since been reissued. When I was, you know, believe it or not, when you look up the word experience, there, it's all over the place, uh, and it's there's a reason why we tend to talk about experience. You know, ask ten people what it means, you'll get twenty different answers. I looked to Joe and uh, Gilmore to to better understand what frameworks they were coming up with, what case were they making, because they basically were showing that you can't just have a product or service, it has to be an experience. And if you look at today's consumer preferences, they will tell you they don't want products or services, they want experiences. Now from there, we're, you know, the, it's been several years since they've written that book, but their point is still mm -hmm. valid. What The value I wanted to add to the conversation was this, once you understand who your customers are, their, how they behave, their expectations, what they value. You can then take that and translate it into innovation uh, in your products and services, but also the complete ecosystem around them, right? So every moment of truth, sales, service, support, loyalty. And what I essentially created, had to create from scratch because it doesn't exist, is a, a simple and also a bit complicated because this isn't easy a framework for experience architecture because that's essentially I think what Joe Pine uh, and company were, were setting up for us which was how do you become an experience architect you know I, tr I read my book and I tried to become an experience architect and went yeah. back to design the book and in the process I'm not gonna lie I had it was really difficult to to take this on and I, I even had to relearn how to write sentences so that they could fit into the framework of what I was trying to do with the book yeah. but it's it's all the better for it and yeah that the experience economy helps set the stage for this discussion. Excellent. Who's, who's influencing you these days? Uh, yes we've got the pioneers uh, you go back to uh, well you can go way back but who, who's influencing you now? You know I uh, <laughs> this is gonna sound funny but I I needed to seek outside inspiration for this, right? And this, and this is, by the way, I, when I'm not an author, I'm an analyst, and I study innovation quite a bit. And some of the best companies that are going through transformation right now are not looking at their competitors. They're not even looking within their industry. They're looking at the companies that are blazing trails in other industries with the people that they want to reach or with their targeted consumer bases. Right. And so I, I looked at 
you know, some of the best designers in the world. Uh, so Johnny Ive was a big inspiration. Sure. I happened to, uh, happened to run into him at a place called The Battery in San Francisco as wow. this was being developed. So that it was uh, m much more than just a coincidence. I, I felt like it was serendipitous. Yeah. Uh, and then I also looked at Maya Angelou. You know, she had, a, she had a, a saying that really inspired this, which was, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but no one will f ever forget uh, how you made them feel. Yeah. Uh, I looked at uh, you know any any type of uh, of art uh, or artist you know going to Hemingway and to Picasso that really tried to create something with with their works that I, I just needed I just needed outside in inspiration. Yeah, fabulous. Because in the book, you, you I mean we all, we're all familiar with the term uh, data scientist. Uh, in the book, you 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 get a new perspective on that, and you, you're asking people to become data artists. Yes. So, could you unpack yeah. that a little bit for us? Yeah, you know, data, data science, and big data. These are terms that are thrown around quite a bit, and, and it makes you feel like it is. It's rocket science, right? And not that it's it is it's easy, but we uh, we dehumanize it, right? Data data is essentially there to tell a story. It's to bring to life people, behaviors, all of the things that we need in order to make intelligent decisions, right? So, there's data artistry is just this form that I believe that if, if, if you could think about it this way, right, asking the right questions of any machine to get you the right types of answers uh, that help you humanize who you're trying to reach, what's going to be relevant to them, so that you can reverse engineer that, that you could use that in your design process. Because right now, data, if, if you leave it to the data scientists, it's going to be disconnected from anything that you do. And then more important, I was thinking about data artistry as a form of storytelling. Mm. Right? Because essentially, what we're really trying to do is understand that people are, are, are the characters in a bigger narrative. And in order to just guide them, keep them just feeling like they're the owner of their universe and that they love being in that universe, then we're going to have to design a universe that matters. And then these engagements that keep, that remind them that they're important. Right. So you, we talk about in the book, you talk about in the book, the, the Hollywood uh, storytelling uh, technique. So how important is that in building the narrative for people to come and have the experience with your brand? Yeah, great question. So the, the whole idea of data artistry, to, to bring that to life, I use Hollywood as an example. Uh, and I wanted to do this before we got into things like customer journey mapping or experience design mm -hmm. because if you can humanize what, what it is that we're really trying to do, it, then, it's, then it's approachable by anybody because there, there are very few experience architects in the world, but we need more of them. And, and what, I, what I wanted to do was use Hollywood as a way to inspire the reader to say, you might be in your role today, and your role is defined as this, and you have other facets of the organization that are designed to do these things, but that doesn't work anymore. Mm. And in order to bring the right things together, we're going to have to step outside of our roles and reimagine what our role should be, just like I reimagine what a book could be now. Right. And Hollywood storytelling, uh, specifically storyboarding, <laughs> was this uh, technique that was used to better understand the characters, better understand the storyline, really test the believability uh, and the relevance of a story before it ever went into production. And this was a, a, a process introduced by Walt Disney mm -hmm. bef before he made Snow White, which was the first uh, feature-length animated film. Uh, and it was a, it was a very... Um, it was a very amazing, empathetic process that brought, at the time, a, a, a bunch of non-believers 
together to work towards something new in a new way where everybody felt like they were part of the story. And that was, you know, not a metaphor, but a very explicit way to show you that you can actually think of your customers or your employees as characters in this story. So what is it? And is it believable? And is it great? And mm-hmm. does and w- is it a story that people would want to be in? Right. And that and I tell the story of lastly how the storyboard brought for Airbnb's new uh, genre of brand to life. Right. I, you pay tribute in the book uh, often to Disney and and to Walt Disney himself and the concept of Imagineering and uh, you know, always thinking about the experience, not just about the, it's not about the rides, it's not about the attractions, it's, it's about how people will feel at the end of that, that journey. And you also uh, take a good hard look at, at the Apple experience, and you don't spend a lot of time focused just on Steve Jobs, but um, I, think, I think if you read his biographies, Steve always considered himself to be an artist, first and foremost. Yes, absolutely. And so the unboxing experience is, is just an amazing process that they go through. Yeah, so when you asked about inspiration earlier, I left these two out, um, which was Disney and Jobs. Uh, and the reason why is because it, they're, they're, all, they're so often used by people. Uh, and I didn't want someone to say, oh, you know, here's another artist who can't see outside of the usual, uh, the usual suspects. Right. Uh, but this is why I tell very specific aspects of their story, right? Disney's Imagineering, because that's essentially what we're doing, is we are looking in new places to do new things in new ways that create new value, which, by the way, is the definition of innovation. In in Apple's case, you know, you, I ask people, what? Why do you love Apple? And you know, I I don't think I got one consistent answer. And you know, the answer Steve Jobs though was consistently there, but it didn't make any sense. Well, why you love Apple because of Steve Jobs? He's not here anymore. So what is it about Apple that you really love? Yeah. So I decided, you know what? Forget it. I think the best thing we can do, if we want to use Apple as an example, is just take a step back and walk through the entire process as a customer and document it, like an anthropologist and an ethnographer, right. uh, what makes their journey special. So I did with the iPad, because yes. I could have dedicated a whole book to every one of their products. Uh, and I found some amazing things that are never talked about. It's clear that somebody at Apple has designed an experience architecture. There is an absolute blueprint for what you're supposed to think, feel, and do in every moment of truth throughout the customer life cycle. Yeah. Da- and I broke it down for, for readers. It's, it's the entire chapter, 8.2. Yep. And then I mapped it all together. And things like you said with the box, it's someone's job to test specific box designs for the best experience and that particular moment and the entire moment are are designed against the story arc it's yeah. unbelievable yeah great it's a great example and i think you handled it very well um i just just as we wrap up i, I need to ask you this this question um in the book you state that technology tweaking is not an experience architecture do you find that most people now are just kind of tweaking their their tech and that's Thinking that it's changing the experience. Yeah, this is a, this is a big problem. Uh, so in the book, 
I, I talk about things like artistry and storytelling so that we can humanize what it is we want to do so that technology can become a facilitator or an enabler of, of what it is that you've designed, right? right? Then technology has a purpose. But as, a, as an analyst, I study digital transformation, which is often started by technology. Mm -hmm. What's new? What are people doing? Mobile's a big thing. Apps are a big thing. Social media is a big thing. And therefore, they design with a technology first perspective, which completely misses the human story, right. the artistry, uh, the design, the concepts, the empathy, right? Uh, and that that's a that's a huge mistake. And most people, especially when they get to the customer journey mapping, they're looking at what it is in order for it to be improved or optimized or made efficient or scalable. Scalable. That's that's the first mistake. Again, you can you, you can customer journey map, but also look at what you're missing based on who you know and what's important to them. Wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a real treat to have uh, Brian Solis with us today. And I am going to beg Brian to, to come back on another time because I have 26 more probing questions uh, to grill Brian on, but we can't do it today. So uh, please uh, thank Brian for his uh, participation today on AQ's Blog and Grill. And uh, there's more episodes coming up. Thank you, Brian. Alan, thank you, man. I will talk to you later. You bet. See ya. AQ's Blog and Grill.